We're going to change gear um, just for the next few weeks. And what does that look like? Well, for the last season, we've been teaching through the Gospel of St. Luke and looking at this idea of the stories of Jesus and the Gospel of Luke every week for the guts of the summer and into a few weeks in September. But we're changing gear for the next few weeks, actually three weeks, when we have an opportunity to slow down a little bit and an opportunity for myself, for those who are gathered here and those who are listening online, for a chance for me to share some of the things God has been placing on my heart as the leader of the church. And I'll be doing that at the other services too from next week and the week after. It's a chance to speak about vision. And I have to admit that when I was writing these talks initially, I had scripted what would be more like the State of a Union address filled with content and tasks and trying to rally the troops, as it were, in this next season. But I think God had some other plans. There will be some content and there will be some clarity, some things that we're working in as a parish. But I wanted it, and I felt God say to me for it to go deeper so that it's not just three weeks of content and three weeks of various bits and pieces of what's going on, even though some of that will come, come into these talks. It's more about where we're at and where we are at on our journey as a church right now. And so some of you have been with us for a long time, and some of you are just visiting today, and some of you have been here for a few months, a few, a few years, whatever it is. But I do think it's very important to spend some time to actually process together what God is saying. Because if the church is just about a list of things that we do, as opposed to hear about the vision from what God has for us. It's really just like a club, if you like, as opposed to a community. And so I want to start with one of my favorite stories from the Bible. The title of this series is Speak for Your Servant is Listening. And I wish hearing from God was that easy as just picking up the phone and going, okay, tell me what's next. It certainly isn't like that, like getting a message on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or on the telephone. Vision, and always from a biblical sense, has been about time needed to spend hearing from God. And so this line, speak for your servant is listening, is from one of my favorite stories from the Bible, but not just mine, one of the most important stories in the Bible when looking at vision. It's the story of Samuel and the call of Samuel. Samuel was one of the first prophets in the Bible. He was a man who was used by God in a time of great transition. He was a man used by God to actually simplify what was happening in a very complex temple system. He was used by God to actually speak truth. He was used by God to call David, and he was used by God to constantly remind the people of how simple it should be in a very rule-based system, 
and he also spoke a lot about the love of God throughout his life. And all of that came from his initial call. All of that came from when he first heard uh, God's voice. And that was a complex process in itself. Let me tell you a bit about it. Samuel was a young man. He was maybe 13 or 14 years old. And he was sent by his mother to go to the temple to basically give his whole life to serve the church or the temple at the time. And he was left there, thanks mom, <laughs> in the church to serve. And one night he was lying in his bed and he heard um, his name, Samuel, Samuel. And he didn't know what it was. And so he ran to Eli, who was his mentor, and he ran to him and he said, yep, yeah, what's the story? Eli was the one who was overseeing the temple, basically leading the early church. It wasn't called the church then, it was called the temple. And he basically, he said, yeah, what do you want? He said, I, I didn't say anything. I didn't call you. He says, okay. So he went back and he, he, he tried to go back asleep. This was during the night. And next thing he heard, Samuel, Samuel. So he ran again to Eli and said, look, what do you want? Try to get some sleep here, okay? I'm only 13, you know? My body's growing and changing. I need my sleep. So he said, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say anything to you. So he goes back down, and then he hears again, Samuel, Samuel. So he runs to Eli a third time, and Eli's getting really annoyed at this stage. He says, look, it's not me. But Sam, Eli suddenly realized, actually, this isn't me, obviously speaking. It's God calling you. And so he says this beautiful thing. He says, go and lie down in your place and listen and say, speak for your servant is listening. The title of this series. And so he goes to that place and he lies down and he says, speak for your servant is listening. And then God gives him this great dream about what he was called into and what he would do. I don't have time to go into that now. But essentially, it was about the simplicity that Samuel would need to constantly remind himself of putting God in the center of his life and of the church. His call was very complex in the Jewish system, and he had to constantly remind himself of the simple call of God. Now, the application of that and why I start with that um, is because there's so many distractions in hearing God's voice. We run to many, many different things. We all have our proverbial Eli's that we run to. But we need as a church and as people, whether on a women's retreat or whether in church on Sunday, to create space in our place to listen to what God is saying to us, his servants, and even more than that, his friends. And the overarching call of the life of Samuel was one of simplicity of putting God in the center. And I think that's a very, very important message in a world that is filled with distractions, of complexity, of things vying for your attention in a contended space. The primary focus and purpose of their church, of Holy Trinity, is creating a place where we hear from God and that we meet with God. I was reminded of that simple call, not just in the life of Samuel, but in the reminder to us as a church, to me as a follower of Jesus, to keep it simple. 
was asking God what was it that he wanted to say if he didn't have this long list of the State of the Union as we start off these three talks. And at the top of the road in Church Avenue for the guts of three months was an ad we've all seen before. It's this. Brennan's bread, eh? Today's bread today. But the bottom line of keep it simple, keep it fresh, really reminded me of the importance of that message in our Christian lives, to keep it simple and to keep it fresh. Now that might seem strange to start off a set of vision talks, but if Samuel started off with this simple reminder of hearing from God in his place, which dictated everything he did and the complexity that he faced, how true is it for us today to keep it fresh and to keep it simple? Because without that, life becomes very complicated and becomes filled with the opposite of the things we hear in God's voice. It comes filled with distraction. I think that's something I'm really learning in this season. Be myself and to keep it simple. A little bit like the time of Samuel. The church at the moment has become very, very complicated. Many are leaving the church. Irish society has changed so much. All our youth are growing up in a very different world that I grew up in and that most of us here grew up in. There's something we need to hear from. The expectations of a pastor, the expectations of a church, the challenges that you are facing, being the church in a very different society has even changed so much in the last 12 years that I have been, lead, I have been ordained. And I've been reflecting on this as the leader of Holy Trinity and trying to simply spend some time and ask, what are you saying, God, in this season? And in that, I've been listening and praying and waiting, but I've also been asking to other voices and listening to what God might be saying to people different to me. And I came across a book which I would really encourage you to read. There's many books that we can read on this, but one of them I found the most helpful when looking at the role of a church in modern-day society is Disappearing Church by uh, a really a, a good friend, well, indirectly a friend of mine, Mark Sayers. And he talks a lot in his book about how complicated the church has become and how consumerist the church has become, particularly in the West. And sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. But he says, in the call of the modern-day church, one of the primary things that we need to know and need to get a sense of how we respond as a church is understanding our context and how things have changed. In his book, he talks about how much the world, society in the West has changed and therefore affects how we do church. Here are some of the things that he says how society has changed over the last even 20 years or less. You might agree with some of these things, you might disagree with them, but I'll, I'll put them out to us today. He says, we live in a society today, um, and by the way, Mark Sayers probably would be different to me in some things that I would, I would see are important in church, but I, I want to hear from people like this. He said, now the highest good in the West is now individual freedom. Traditions and religion will restrict my individual happiness 
self-definition and self-expression, so they must be stopped, reshaped, deconstructed, even destroyed. My primary social ethic is now tolerance of all. Humans are inherently good, they cannot be bad, and therefore there is no need for a god or a cross. Large-scale structures and institutions like the church are suspicious at best and evil at worst. And forms of external authority are to be rejected and personal authenticity lauded. And so I think a lot of that is very much the world that we do find ourselves in and how we are doing church. And some of these things are good, actually, and some of them are not too good. And in Ireland, some of these swings are in response to a dysfunctional church that has let people down. Many have left, and for very good reasons, but also for some of the reasons are not so good, as they see the church through consumers' eyes and putting the individual first and not the community. And so there's a complexity there. There is a difficulty there in that a lot of the scriptures and a lot of even the time of Samuel written in the context which was quite different to the culture we find ourselves in now. So what does it mean to be and do the church in that culture? What does it mean for you and for me to do the church, do church in that culture? I would say to us that the church expressed in a simple form has perhaps never been as important as it is now. We must remember that God so loved the world that he sent his only son. We're not called to be culture bashers. That's why we do Rubicon, so we have important questions uh, engaged with. But we are meant to be authentic and true to what God is calling us to. And I think one of the paramount things which has been lost in Irish society in a primary call for Holy Trinity is to go back to basics and go back to simplicity and go back to that place where we hear from God. Not running to the Eli's or running to the things vying for our attention, but creating a church and community even more so where we can hear from God. So mining that a bit deeper and going even further into that, practically speaking then, here are some scriptures which I think are very important to us in this season as a church. And I would encourage you to take these scriptures, to pray into them, to talk about them, to challenge them, because vision is never just a linear thing. It's not just me, God, you. It's, it's, it's God and us together as a community processing this. That's what the church is called to be. So in its simplest form, and going back to the very simplest um, idea of what the church and what God is calling us into this phase, and over the next couple of weeks, we'll go into these in a deeper way, in a very practical sense about what they mean. The first scripture which God has been speaking to me very much about in this season is Isaiah 61 verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. These two words have got lost, I think, in many, many churches in Ireland today. Even, I think, some elements in our church sometimes. Proclamation and binding up. Proclamate, proclaiming the truth of the gospel, 
being bold and confident enough to actually be able to proclaim that, but also binding up the brokenhearted. And the church at its best is when it's proclaiming and binding. And I'm not talking about an arrogant standing on a soapbox and telling people how they should live their lives. I'm talking about proclaiming good news to the poor, not just the poor who are financially poor, but the poor in spirit, but also the binding up. And when a church just becomes about coming on a Sunday, or it becomes about satisfying our own guilt or whatever it is, we miss out on the good news and the proclamation of that in our own lives. And that is such an important reminder for us in simply getting back to the basics of that. How are we doing it? How are you doing it? And how are we called to do that together? There's a many, many different ways we do that. But we must be doing that as a community, as Isaiah did in a time of transition, as Samuel did in a time of transition. We too are called to do that and bind up the brokenhearted. If a church is not binding up and caring for the vulnerable in our society, if it's about a certain demographic, a certain strata, a stratum of society, and not the brokenhearted and the vulnerable, we've missed the original mandate. And so we must challenge ourselves as to how we are binding up the brokenhearted in our lives. Or are we just living, as Mark Sayers says, putting ourselves at the center and not others? The second scripture, I think, is a, another challenge to me and to us is Psalm 145, verse 1 to 4. Celebration and praise. It says, every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. Can I, can I submit something to you today gracefully and uh, which has been burning on my heart? And that is that I think we, we need to learn more about praise. We need to learn more about what praise looks like in our lives. Let, let me tell you a little story about what happened to me recently to try and uh, make an application here to this. I had a friend who, who came um, recently to Holy Trinity and he, um, he came along, he loved the teaching, he, he really appreciated um, the whole sense of community. And I said to him afterwards, I said, you know, what, what did you think? Did you enjoy that? And he said, yeah, it was great. I loved this and I, I loved that. But the kind of the worship was a bit weird. The whole hand in the air thing, it's a little bit strange, you know. The whole happy clappy thing, I'm not quite sure about that. So I, ju I, just, I just left it. And then last, last week, um, uh, we went to the All-Ireland, and he was there. And he was standing beside me. Go on, the kingdom! Come on, the kingdom! Let's, let's do this! Shouting and jumping. And, and, and then afterwards, he said to me, he said, um, what do you think of the match? I said, yeah, it was good, but like the whole kingdom shouting thing, it's a bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> I think when we come through that door, because of the church in Ireland, we, we don't feel we can be ourselves. And, 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 and I'm saying we're called into that posture, 
but we are called into praise and we are called in to be a people who are free and uninhibited and understand who God is. Celebration and praise and every day I will praise you. Over the next season we'll be talking more about praise. There's seven words for praise in the Bible and one of the most common ones is the word Barak, which is repeated many, many times. And it's interesting, Barak isn't the hands in the air. A lot of them are about our body and our posture. This posture is about this one, kneeling. Barak is the word for kneel and the word for reverence. At the very beginning of the Bible, it's also used for the word bless, the very beginning of the Bible, when God reached down into the mud to create uh, Adam and Eve, he uses the word Barak. And this beautiful idea that God knelt in the mud, if you like, to actually bring us into existence. And in that, we respond in this way of kneeling and our posture of praise to God. I think that's something that we need to learn more about as a community, to be ourselves and to be free in that. And then lastly, this scripture, which I think binds everything together. I, I, um, I just want to finish with this because it's something I haven't talked about to the church um, because I haven't uh, known how to do it, to be honest. I haven't talked much about um, my brother, Graham, uh, since he passed away in, um, in, at Christmas. And I have to admit, it's been a difficult a process for me uh, because I'm, I have an internal grief but an external call to be a pastor. And I guess I need you to know that. I don't want this sermon to be about me, but, but I believe God has been teaching me very deep things about my life and about this call on this church as he died and during the time he was very ill. And I wanted to share a story with you in closing which really changed my life and I think it needs to change all of our lives. Um, and I'm, my, 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 my sadness is, is not so much about Graham, although it is, it's about just the beauty of Jesus um, and what he, what he did in Graham's life. Just before Graham went to the beacon, uh, before he wouldn't come, he'd come home to basically die, he was, um, he was, at, the, 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 he was at the foot of the toilet and he was really sick and he was really ill and I was on my own with him and uh, I was outside and he was in dreadful agony and he was kneeling by the toilet and he was saying something. He was, I couldn't quite hear him so I went over and I put my arm around him I said, you know, what are you saying, Graham? And he said, I'll never forget it. I think it's a word for us and a word for me. He just said, Lord, help me decrease so you can increase. All for your glory, fill me with your spirit. And he said it over, and in between the vomiting and the pain and the suffering and the agony, God was doing something in him that was bringing him low, and so he was putting God first. And we went to, in the car, and we went up to the beacon, and the story unfolded. But in that moment, something really changed in me when I saw 
someone going through so much, decreasing so God can increase. And in that moment, I just realized that the whole Christian story is about downward mobility, not about upward success. The whole life of Jesus moves from greatness to, to sub submissive to the Father. It moves from the crowd to the individual. It moves from, from glory almost to sacrifice. And Samuel went on the same trajectory, and Jesus went on the same trajectory. And as Jesus himself decreased and he began to ask God to increase, this was one of the last scriptures he he prayed over his disciples from John 20, 19 to 23. He said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And that is at its very essence, as it was for Samuel, as it was for Graham, as it was for me, as it is for us. If we try and do church in our own strength, if we try and do it so that we are increasing, so that we are doing church like consumerists, we miss out on the simplicity of what it actually is about. And so I think in this season, it is where I'm at and where I think we need to be at is decreasing so God increases. And that is a challenge because it's about laying down, even in the worst times of life, or in the greatest time of life, of putting Jesus first. And when we do that, the world benefits, the vulnerable benefit, the poor benefit. We celebrate, we worship, we praise from that place. And so over the next couple of weeks, I'm speaking more about practically what that looked like for us in some of the areas that we need to, to talk about. But I'd like us just now in silence to reflect on those scriptures personally, to listen to what God is saying to us in our place in this time for the season of Holy Trinity, and then we will close out our time with some worship. So let's, let's sit in silence for a moment. Ask what God is saying to you. Speak for your servant is listening. Whatever age you are, wherever you're coming from, let him speak to you and then let's worship and close our time together.